0: Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira. And I just want to give you a heads up, real quick. This episode covers the death of a small child at the hand of other small children. With a recent spike in my UK listeners, hello guys, thank you so much, I decided to cover a story that took place in Walton, Liverpool, February 1993, the murder of James Bulger. Before I get started, I just want to thank you guys so much for listening. This is a hobby that I really love doing, and don't forget I have a Facebook page called Storytime Slayer. That's where I post all the extra pictures, videos, interviews, whatever to go along with this case. I want to apologize for not posting for a few weeks. Listen, listen, your girl had to get some stuff done. Okay, please, if you don't mind, leave me a review on Apple podcast. Honesty is always the best policy, but I think five stars sounds pretty good. Okay, let's get started. It's the morning of February 12th, which was a Friday. Denise and Ralph Bolger got up and around at about 10 30 that morning. Denise was 25 at the time and Ralph was 26. Denise was a stay-at-home mom, I think. She had suffered a miscarriage before she had little James, so she was really, really attached to him. She didn't have other people watch him like ever. She didn't send him to childcare. She wanted to be with James always. Ralph, um, he was like a jack of all trades. Like I said, he was 26. And the family would stay up a bit late and get up a bit late. Like as a whole family, they'd go to bed late and rise late. I did this when I was a single mom. Dude, bed late as a family and wake up late as a family. That day, Denise went with her children to her mom's house, which she did often. She would just hang out. People would come and go. Her kids are there playing with like her relatives' kids or their friends. And when she was asked by either... Her friend or her sister-in-law that day, it's hard to tell because Denise was the youngest of a shit ton of kids. Like it's either 11 or 13. So anyway, either her sister-in-law, her sister, or her friend asked her if her and the kids wanted to go to the new Strand Shopping Center in Boodle. And she said yes. In a 60 Minutes Australia episode, the mom did an interview and she said it was the worst mistake she had ever made. So Denise, James, her friend, and I think her friend's kid, they go to the shops. And it sounds to me like Denise's friend needed someone to go with her so that they could ride next to her baby in the car. I'm not, I'm not sure though. So they go in and out of a variety of stores, a department store, snack stop, and then a butcher shop. Denise was always, always cautious of watching her children and keeping them in her sight and near her. She did not let James run around wild or wander in and out of shops, but while at the butcher shop, when Denise turned to pay for her goods, she did lose sight of little James for a second, and so did her friend. So panicked, she looks around everywhere. I mean, he was just right there, so she keeps looking and looking. She's looking around the shop, in and out of the shop, outside the shop, down the way from the shop. Like, she's scattering everywhere. The women ultimately decide that they're going to make their way to security to report little James missing and get some help. Then they go out and look some more. Now, it's not completely unusual, I'm sure, at a shopping center to lose track of a small child for a very short period of time. But as time began to tick by and they had no idea or sightings of little James, the security team decided to call 911 because there was no way to find him and no trace of him. To give you an idea of time, James went missing around like 340 and the police were called at four o'clock. So they really didn't waste time, which is really good. Poor Denise, though, like this is every parent's worst nightmare. Um, And you know, it is possible. It does happen, but it never seems like it's going to happen to you. So the police start canvassing the area, security footage, the works. They had no leads until they heard about a child who'd almost been kidnapped by a man with a ponytail in a white van in the area that day. They tracked this mysterious ponytail kidnapping man down, and it was proven that he, in fact, did not kidnap James or any child that day, thank goodness. Everyone's like, what the fuck? But then they find footage of little James walking away with two boys that look to be, oh, about 14, 15 years old. And this is at the shopping center. The camera footage, though, was like really shitty quality at the time. I mean, this is 1993. So you couldn't make out any real distinct features or identity for either boys with James from the footage. It appears that James, though, was abducted by two boys. Weird. That is weird. That's not what you hear when a child is missing typically. So I am sure your first thoughts are, okay, well, maybe he got lost and they were helping him or something of that nature. But it had been hours and the footage shows the boys taking James further away from where he was and then away from the shops and then away from that. So they never made it to a police department and they're carrying the child away from the location he was at with his mom. Obviously, they're kidnapping him. The police get this information out in every way they can. They spread CCTV footage of the two older boys with James everywhere. They asked the public for information, the public for help. And wow, they got an overwhelming amount of tips for their department. Like it was too much for the size. Nothing changed, though, in the investigation, despite how many leads they got and followed. They didn't have jack shit all day, all Saturday and part of Sunday about little James's disappearance. Not until a really gruesome discovery was made by a group of boys at the Walton and Annafield railway station on the Sunday following baby James's disappearance. It was a grisly sight. Just to warn you, at first they thought maybe it was a dead cat in a blanket or something, sort of on the railroad tracks like that. Once they approached it, though, they realized that what they were looking at was not a cat in a blanket or anything of that nature. They were looking at organs spilling out of the torso of a two-year-old boy's body because he had been cut in half by a train. And his lower body was about 15 feet away from his torso. His head and upper body were laying on the inside of the track still as if he'd been laid across it at his waist. The boys immediately ran to the nearest police station to report what they had found. The scene was grisly. There was paint everywhere, paint cans, and it was a blue color. A package of AA batteries were scattered. Some had been placed into baby James's mouth, and little James's body was bloody. He'd been beaten, and his lifeless body was laid on the track that a train came and actually cut it in half. He was surrounded by bricks and stones and a he- heavy, heavy steel rod was near him. It was a bit confusing. I think the slang in England for stones is bricks. So they said that bricks or stones or both were covering the boy's face. Um, and then also that there was blood splattered on each wall surrounding the scene. About 15 feet away from his torso was his lower body And his lower body was completely bare, as if somebody stripped off his clothes and everything. His shoes, pants, britches, all were removed. Now, the pants were placed over his head, and James ultimately sustained 42 separate injuries. He had 10 separate skull fractures, but they were unable to determine what was the actual cause of his death. It was speculated the boys did something to James's privates because this foreskin of his penis looked like it had kind of been pushed back hard. Um, and they speculated that his bottom may have been fondled, but there has never been evidence of this. Um, it gets mentioned a lot. Tons of articles suggest it. Police suggested it. They questioned them heavily. But I do want to clarify that there's zero evidence that he was fondled or molested. So, of course, on Sunday, news of little James being found deceased spread everywhere. So what the fuck happened? After following the news, a civilian store owner thinks that James and the two abductors passed his shop on Friday. So he actually gives police his own surveillance footage and police review it. And they think that it is James with his two abductors. They were much younger than police had previously thought The boys in the surveillance footage looked to only be about like 10. So police had a tip line running, which got an overwhelming number of sightings and tips. Too many for the small department. But there was one tip that actually got called into a detective directly and not on the tip line. Typically, the detective would like roll them over to the tip line. But he just went ahead and took the tip himself and actually looked into it. So it was on a Monday. And the news was released about little James being found murdered because his missing persons was plastered all over the news. This was the follow up report. And in the report, there was mention of a blue paint at the crime scene. Well, a young woman, the tip that she called in was that her mom's friend had a son who'd sagged from school. Sagged means skipped in England. Um, And his name was John Venables. He'd been skipping school with a boy named Robert Thomas. John not only sagged school on Friday, but he'd come home with paint on his coat and looked like the boy in the surveillance footage all over the news. So police definitely investigated. John Venables did, in fact, sag that Friday with a boy named Robert Thompson. First thing was to check into this. They decided to call John Venables headmistress at his school, Bedford Road School. I love that they get called a headmistress. We call them principals in the U.S. Um, She did in fact confirm that John Venables and Robert Thomas, who actually went by Bobby, were not at school on Friday. She said that they were 10, which is so unimaginable for investigators. And she gave them the boys' address. I am going to now switch this story to Bobby and John Venables and what they did on Friday. John Venables was being rushed out the door by his mom because he was late for school that day. But rather than going to school, he ditched his backpack near some bushes. It was his usual hiding spot for his things when he was going to sag. From there, the boys met up and they decided to go to the shops to loot. They had a normal routine they followed when they skipped school. Just cause trouble. They'd go to stores, steal things, and just run amok and annoy the shit out of people. And they never really stole because they wanted the item long term or because they needed it. Often they stole just to do it. So they'd like steal something stupid and small, pens, stuff like that. And then they would just leave it sitting around outside the store further in the shops. Remember, they're 10. Bobby actually had a fascination for troll dolls. And so he did... Keep those if he stole them when he Could sometimes he would obviously Like be running because he was stealing And he was known for being an annoying fuck So when he was being like chased Down or having to get away he would stash Them and always try to go back for the Troll dolls though um, So they go to the new strand shopping Center the same one that James and his mom Went to and they decide Not only are they going to steal stuff They're also going to get a kid lost Today okay So first, John and Bobby went into a store called TJ Hughes, and they tried to lure a really small boy out of this store. A woman actually watched them. She saw them leaving the shop with a small child. And what they were doing is Bobby and John would run forward, and then they would stop, and then they would turn around and look at the little boy. And it made the little boy laugh and giggle and then try to chase them. So they'd stop, the little boy would laugh, and then all three would run forward. Now, the little boy's mom, though, appeared panicked, looking everywhere for him. And so John and Bobby moved along and left him there with his mother. They're actually seen on CCTV at 1234 walking. Next, they just do their normal thing. They're going in and out of stores, stealing stuff and just being little shits. John stole batteries for his game controller. And one of the boys stole paint. In the meantime, they were still looking for a small child to get lost. That is when they laid eyes on baby James in the entrance of the butcher shop his mom had been in. John actually went up to James and said, come on, baby. This was shortly after 3.37 p.m. because there is CCTV of Denise James and the people they were with heading into the butcher shop at 3.37. When John said, come on, baby, apparently James actually grabbed his hand and off they went. The three went into TJ Hughes They exited from there and took a left into what they call the main square. And they're all three spotted on camera. John and James are hand in hand at exactly 3.42. So after they leave the shopping center, they went to the canal. Not sure what to do with James now, the boys talked about pushing him in. But instead, one of the boys picked James up and literally dropped him by the head right on the ground. It put a big gash in his forehead. So they just put his hood over it and ran away from him. But they ultimately turned back and said, come on, baby, which James came and they kept walking, not sure what they were going to do next. At this point in time, two or three people had actually seen the three together, and they thought that the two boys were really young to be caring for a small child like James. James was two years old and 11 months, but none of the civilians intervened. The boys headed towards Walton. A cab driver actually passed them and he saw one of the two older boys trying to pull James. It looked like they were having a really hard time to get James to keep walking. James was crying and upset. His face was all swole. You know, like when you get really upset and cry. The cab driver actually saw Bobby kick baby James in the ribs and he just thought, hmm, what a piece of shit and kept driving. Like, whatever. Whatever. So the boys walked to the top of the reservoir, which was now a big grassy hill, apparently, and they just sat there. Then John literally punched James in the face. I imagine James was probably crying for his mom or something that was annoying John. He didn't know what to do. He's 10. He's kidnapped this kid and it won't quit crying. So the sun was setting and a woman across the street was closing her shades when she actually looked out and saw John aggressively shaking and grabbing and jerking little James. A short time later, a woman walking her dog stopped the boys because she was concerned about James and all like his bumps, the mark on his forehead, and what was going on. They actually told her that they found James and they were taking him to the local police station. But she's not an idiot. She's like, "Dude, you're they're walking in the wrong direction." So another woman walking her dog stopped the boys and they gave her the exact same story. But they said that they didn't know who James was. They found him. They were taking him to the Walton Lane police station. And this was suspicious because it wasn't the closest police station to them. Thinking on his toes, John quickly said it was the one that was on the way to their house. And then a younger woman with a small child like interjects herself into the situation to find out what's going on. And the two women like double, double make sure the boys know which way they're going. The woman with a small child, though, was like really concerned. And she actually asked the lady walking her dog if she could watch her daughter so that she could see the boys to the police station. And dude, the woman walking her dog wouldn't because she said that her dog doesn't like small children. So off the three boys went. First, they went to a DIY shop. I don't know what a DIY shop is. I'm going to guess like it sounds like a hardware store to me or a home project store. Would love to know that if anybody wants to let me know on Storytime Slayers Facebook or send me an email at storytimepods at gmail.com. What the fuck is a DIY store in, in England? So after they leave the DIY store, they go into a pet shop. And the clerk found it like really odd. John held on to James's hand the entire time. Whereas most kids are like running around looking at the pets doing their thing. Of course, Bobby's annoying ass gets him kicked out of the pet store like relatively quickly. And the boys kept walking, kept walking. And they ultimately made it to the Walton and Anfield railway station. First, they were up on the street corner. And they were just pushing James into the road. James was laughing and he thought it was a game. A woman spotted them at 530 doing this, and that would be the last sighting of James alive. After that, the boys took James to the actual railroad tracks below. And just so you know, it's pretty graphic. So I cannot say who truly did what because the boys copped very little and blamed each other for each act. But nonetheless, they took James down there, and one of them first threw paint in his eye. This is at the beginning of the attack. Next, they took to kicking and stomping him. After that, they threw bricks, which I believe are rocks. And at some point in his attack, they shoved batteries in his mouth. Then one of the boys or both of the boys dropped a 10-pound iron bar referred to as a railway fish plate on his head. They then weighed his body down with rubble, rocks, stones, bricks, etc., and they laid him across the railroad. I believe it was at the end or towards the end of the attack that the boys removed uh, Baby James's shoes and socks and britches and underwear and placed his pants over his head to conceal the blood, supposedly. The last part, laying them across the railroad, was their attempt to conceal that he had been tortured and murdered. So after this brutal attack, of James and murder of James John and Bobby went to their local video store the workers were familiar with the pair and John and Bobby would sometimes like run errands for them in exchange for small tips things like grabbing them a soda or going to fetch a late fee from a customer Ugh. I can't believe they just casually went to the movie store after this so sometime after Bobby and John were at the video shop John's mom Susan actually spotted the boys and was fucking livid She grabbed them and was walking their ass to the police station to get chewed out about skipping school. Plus, dude, fucking they were filthy and had paint all over them. Bobby cried and wiggled and struggled until he ultimately got away from Susan and just ran home. Susan, though, continued taking her son John to the police department for skipping school again. She'd been at her wits end. Apparently, her and John's father divorced. Now, John was a middle child, and both of his siblings had severe learning impairment. And it took a lot of time and attention. They even had to go to special needs schools. So this would be a lot for anyone, but especially harder seeing how her ex-husband, Neil, wasn't like super involved in her kids' lives. He would step in when he like had to, but that seemed to be it. So she's taken John to the police station. She's had it with his shit, and she needs some backup. He is so filthy that the officers actually tell him he needs to go wash up. And they only spoke to him briefly. Then Susan and John went home. John didn't get dinner because he'd missed it, sagging with Bobby. So he went straight up to his room and he just cried. Susan said that she could hear his sobs. And she actually just thought um, he was upset about skipping school and getting in so much trouble and having to go to the police station like it all sank into him. John had been super interested in the missing boy case all weekend. He said if he knew who those boys were, he'd whoop them or something of that sentiment. Even though his mom knew that he skipped school, she never in a million years thought it was John in the CCTV footage because the boy looked way too tall. Um, And then she also thought that John was on the other side of town when the abduction took place. Nothing can really be said about Bobby that weekend because Bobby was like one out of seven children, all boys, by the way, and his mom had just birthed a baby the year before in 1992. So she had the other six children with Bobby Sr. And he actually left her for a woman named Barbara several years before all of this took place. He just abandoned her and the kids. So I think it was just her taking care of all these kids and she was having a really hard go at it. Um, Her sons had a really bad reputation of skipping school and getting into trouble Anne did seem to be trying really hard to get a hold of her life and her son's behavior, but she hadn't always tried really hard. That was obvious. And I just don't think she had a grasp on what was going on. Just so we're all tracking, um, John and Bobby were not easy children to look after either. John was described to have some emotional problems, in my opinion, like First of all, they both were in a school for unruly ass kids, I believe. And then John was prone to like throwing fits in class. He would literally throw himself on the floor and stuff. They had to be separated because they wouldn't quit skipping school while they were at school. They would be like, oh, hey, can we go to the bathroom? And they just wouldn't come back. So they were not easy children to look after. In fact, Anne had even gone so far as to bolt some of their windows shut. And she would get up and take Bobby to school herself. After a period of time. So on Tuesday. Information about the crime scene. Containing paint was released to the media. And John's parents still did not. Put the pieces together. Neil literally said. To someone. um, That it was such a coincidence. That John had paint on him Friday. He literally said that to somebody. Okay so someone mentioned to Anne. That Bobby had looked a lot like the boy. On the CCTV with James. And she literally brushed it off as nonsense as well. But. That Thursday morning, both the boys were actually arrested for the abduction and murder of James. Bobby woke his mother, Ann, up at 730 because four policemen were at their door. They had a warrant and immediately took Bobby into custody. When they got to Susan's, it sounded to me like she thought they were maybe there to give John like a really good scare for skipping school and like all his fucking annoying behavioral problems. They asked him for his coat as evidence, of course, and arrested him. He was crying and he was like, I don't want to go to prison and I didn't kill a baby and all that. And Susan was like, what the fuck are you talking about, John? Like, chill out. You're not going to prison. No one thinks you killed a goddamn baby. Like, just go to jail for fucking skipping school. I think Anne may have had her suspicions, but I really don't think John's parents were like the least bit suspicious suspicious of john participating in the abduction and murder of this child like they were clueless the boys underwent several interviews where they did admit to kidnapping james essentially but no one would take any direct responsibility for the attack and murder of the child they told the same story though we know what happened they just wouldn't say who actually carried out each act now when the boys went to trial neither spoke at all They were both found guilty of murder of James Bulger, youngest in the 20th century to be convicted of murder, by the way. The original sentence was recommended eight, but they actually got pushed to 10 years and then 15 years. And then they ultimately reduced the sentence time back to eight years. In 2001, they were rehabilitated and eligible for parole. They both got new identities. Bobby never reoffended. okay, but John did. In 2008, his parole officer actually noticed John was always, always on the computer. So they went ahead and were just like, what the fuck are they doing on the computer? So they checked it out and it turned out he had been downloading a bunch of child pornography. So John goes back to prison for two years, right? Then in 2017, he actually goes back to prison again for child pornography. He had child porn, production of child porn a pedophile manual and he was posing as a woman on the internet who claimed to be abusing her daughter and offering her daughter up for other people to abuse. So he gets like three years and four months. That's not very long at all to me. And he was denied parole in September of 2020. So let's see 2017. So we got 18, 19, 20. Oh my gosh. He probably got out sometime this year. I'm sure because of the safety risk his identity would impose. It is unknown like who he's actually out as now. And where they'd relocate him. The British government was actually consider relocating him to like Australia or Canada. Which I didn't know you could do that. Like I didn't know legally you could relocate a pedophile in a different country. How much does that cost you think? This was a tragedy. I think it's so sad that this beautiful, almost three-year-old, blonde-haired, bright-eyed little boy was taken from his mom who was so attached to him. And I also want to point out that even though Bobby was the child who grew up with a rough upbringing, a dad that abandoned him, a mom that like didn't quite have a handle on things, I think maybe she was a drinker or something, it is said that John Venables was more manipulative And almost the more cunning and evil one of the pair. I wanted to throw that out there. And that Bobby seemed to have great, great regrets. And I don't know. It's just a feeling from the interviews and the books I've read about this. But I don't know. I've always felt like John did it. Plus, John reoffended so many times. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. And this was a hard story. Before I go, I will play you two snippets. One of John Venables during his interviews and one of Robert Thompson. And I will catch you guys next week. Bye. So this is the voice of John Venables. I never got the boy. I never killed someone. Yeah, we was, but we never saw any kids there. We never got any kids <laughs> you were in bootle Strand? strand was you in bootle strand we never never got a kid mom we never uh, i must ask you that to get angry with it a short while ago as is detailed on your custody record out there you had a conversation with your mom and is that right yeah Yeah. and what was it you told us can't james and this is the voice of robert thompson And uh, um, I've got blood, and you That's think right. it's a James? Correct. Don't yeah, you think it's not the truth? <coughs> the Can might, I have all the James? I don't know. You don't know. You might have made them fall along behind us, and then got lost somewhere. Why won't you tell us? What? Why won't you tell us? I never even killed them. <laughs> Let's change that.